Welcome to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm executive editor Christine Mulkey. Today I'm joined by our food director, Carla Lolly Music, and Sarah Dickerman in from Seattle. Sarah creates our annual Food Lovers Cleanse for BonAppetit.com, and now it's a gorgeous new cookbook. Congratulations on the insane boost from Gwyneth Paltrow, by the way. Have you recovered yet? <laughs> I know, I, I fainted. <laughs> <laughs> so it's January, and we're all trying to eat a little cleaner, basically recovering from cooking everything in the November and December issues. Some people in the office are even not drinking this month, but oh. I think that's another podcast. Our January issue is all about healthy-ish food. I feel like the italic emphasis on the ish is really important. So I just want to know, what does healthy-ish mean for you, Sarah? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it is a, it's a little combination of what I do do and what I don't do. I mean, it does mean for me probably like just opting out of like the cookie department, which can in December seems to be an actual meal for me. Like, you know, there's just cookies everywhere. So I'm just eating meals. So, so that's one thing. And then, then it's, it's all about, um, really getting into, uh, good seasonal vegetables and just like a lot as, as many vegetable meals as I can like sort of vegetables. And then if I use meat, it's sort of more of a condiment, you know, the pork, but I actually, not during the proper cleanse, but like when I'm trying to think healthy, you know, a little bit of pork belly if on top of a pile of, you know, delicious uh, beans and some great braised greens. I think there's nothing wrong with using that as a like a little enticement into that very healthy meal. Great. And Carla, I feel like you're our resident healthy-ish lady. <laughs> well, that's nice to say, considering I have no choice about <laughs> what I eat like 80% of the time at work. That's true. But you can control those tiny moments that you spend at home and on weekends. You're a really good weekend batch cooker. Yep. So define healthy-ish for you. I think it's very similar to what Sarah was saying. I really, um, I, I do because of the tastings that we have every day in the kitchen am ruled by whatever the cooks are making. So in the end of summer when we're working on Thanksgiving and, you know, moving into holiday issues, it's it's really, really heavy. We have a tasting today. We're going to have like seven desserts. So I will balance that by getting as much of the produce and the whole grains and, uh, you know, reducing sugar as I can for the meals that I make for myself and also the meals that I eat out. I'll just veer towards that end of the menu. Um, and I love to do big batch beans always have stock going on the weekend, um, grains and tons of greens. I mean, I can eat like a couple bunches of kale single-handedly. Do you have like a reset dish that you like to make at home when you just want to instantly feel healthy? Yeah, what we we call it on Sunday night sometimes when we're just maxed out. We call it uh, burning clean. I'll say to my husband, you want to burn clean tonight? And that is usually brown rice or any other kind of grain, grain bowl with a lot of vegetables cooked different ways. So a mix of sauteed greens, raw shaved carrots, you know, um, uh, cucumbers that are just like salted and squeezed out and a a piece of lemon. So, you know, it's all things in moderation. You sort of have to fill up the part of the bucket that you didn't get to fill those other days. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in a seven day cycle, if I feel like I evened out, then I'm winning. (laughs) (laughs) Great. And how do you keep your healthy food interesting and flavorful? Like, how do you mix it up? I think it's really important to um, have it on hand, first of all. You know, Mm -hmm. part of it is just the hassle of getting to the end of the day and not knowing what you're going to have. So some of the prep work can be as simple as cleaning vegetables or, Mm -hmm. you know, taking the tops off the carrots and rinsing them so that when it comes time to make dinner, you're not starting from scratch. And I also think that um, a heavy 
well-stocked fridge full of condiments will mm-hmm. save you. So mm-hmm. lot, having lots of citrus, and you have a lot right. of these tricks are in Sarah's right. book. Um, having plenty of citrus, um, vinegar, hot sauces to add brightness mm-hmm. to the end of a dish. Having nuts on hand for texture when you're not, you know, giving yourself a big crusty hunk of bread to eat with your <laughs> right. soup. Finishing soup with like some cr- right. crunchy chopped nuts is another right. way to get that other bit of texture in there. And then I really do gravitate towards spicy stuff. It's just very satisfying in a basic taste level. You feel Yeah, I feel satisfied. like it's like almost more emotional when you're eating spicy food. I, I've had a few like Szechuan meals that have sort of made me like kind of euphoric. And I'm like, what's going on here? But I think condiments are such a great thing. I love both purchased condiments like gochujang. I'm all over right now. Um, that's a great, that's like a, uh, a spicy fermented uh, soybean paste that's just gives you umami and gives you heat and brightness and a little saltiness. Um, and then in like, as, as you mentioned in the cookbook, we also have these multitaskers that are meant to sort of be able to go with a simply prepared meal in one direction or another. So we have like a wonderful herb packed uh, tahini sauce. We have a great tomato chutney for the summer. We have um, a really nice romesco sauce, which is like a pepper and nut paste, um, Catalan in or- origin, and it's it's so good. And, it, and then, then you can do a really simple piece of fish or a simple uh, seared chicken breast with some vegetables, and then you've got a little excitement on the plate. Yeah, it's so true how blandness will just leave the whole meal feeling flat. Mm-hmm. So even if you're still eating very virtuously, if mm-hmm. you have a lot of flavor going on, it keeps it exciting. I might add also that a little bit of kimchi on a bowl is always like a great textural quality and also, again, more fl- more big flavor and also lots of healthy um, uh uh, bacteria from the fermentation. I also like to add pickles and things like that. So I like to keep those in play also when I'm thinking healthy. Keep it moving. And Carla, you mentioned things, the spices and citrus to end uh, to end on a higher note, to bring that brightness at the end. And that's just, that's so easy to just so easy. squirt yeah. it on and plop it on. But let's talk for just a second about gochujang because there's been, you know, more and more coming up. And we have a wonderful gochujang, actually, chicken recipe in the February issue that mm-hmm. we're all very excited about. But what are some great ways that you can use it? Because it does seem like one of those incredible multitaskers that you oh, don't really yeah. know exist. We did a beautiful um, sundubu, which is like a soft tofu soup, mm. where we used gochujang as like a soup base and mixed it into some broth with clams. But you don't have to do it with clams. You could do it with vegetables and mushrooms too, or you could do it with chicken. And um, you could blend it into a dressing and you can use it as a marinade either for butternut squash or for flank steak. I mean, it's Hmm. it's a really fun ingredient to work with. I would even, um, because it does have a lot of the spice, a little bit of sweetness and heat, it's great to balance um, sweet things. So like sweet potato, roasted Mm -hmm. sweet potatoes will Mm -hmm. get nicely balanced out by that, that spiciness and the pungency of gochujang. And even, um, you know, in the like Korean grilling, they'll put a little swipe of gochujang in your lettuce wrapper before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. putting meat or whatever else in it. So you can also use it at the table just to sort of right, dab and mix into, you know, like you would hot sauce. Mm-hmm. And also just as Carla mentioned, having everything prepared, like last weekend I did the, we have this wonderful man running in the test kitchen, B.A. Brad, and um, he, you know, he gets in the greens, he washes them, he cleans them, and he puts them in a Ziploc. And this weekend I bought two heads of kale, 
and I went a step further, you know, I washed them and then I chopped them or I chiffonaded them. So I have them. So every night I can just grab a handful, mm-hmm. get my lemon juice, my olive oil, or I can, you know, saute them down and I'm set. And it just, it, it saves you that weeknight agita. Totally. <laughs> not, to mention, not to mention the little bit of like, I don't know, I don't want to call it smugness, but the little, little halo you draw around right. your head when you've done something in advance like that. You just feel good about it, too. And Sarah, there's so much in your book that is that kind of advanced work and having, mm-hmm. you know, your me's and having things mm-hmm. ready, but also having things that can kind of carry from one to the next. So what yeah. are some tips for that? Um, well, whole grains are a great one. Whole grains do take a while to cook. Um but if you're trying to get a healthy breakfast in the morning and you say, oh, steel-cut oatmeal might be really nice, but I just never have time to do it, you can cook it ahead at the beginning of the week and make a few portions for the whole week. And then you just reheat it either in the microwave or in a small pan and uh, top it with something lovely that makes adds sustenance and a little texture too. Um, other whole grains like uh, barley or farro, all these things that take a while to cook, um, you might as well do big batches. You can even freeze them. And then um, if you want to work them into a soup or something like that, you can rinse them in a strainer under the sink, just under warm water, just to break up the clusters, and then just throw them into your whatever you're cooking. Hmm. And it just makes it super easy. And then keep some in the refrigerator for closer use. But, you know, I, I love big batches. Also, if you're, if you're a, a gadget junkie, too, uh, a pressure cooker is was, a great. Oh my God. Car- to Carla's going to get up and hug you. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say this is pressure cooker cooking season again. Sure like I is. just have had it out like uh, three times a week yeah. lately for grains, but also for beans and for stock. Like this weekend I was cooking other stuff, but I picked up a two pound package of chicken wings mm-hmm. and in 45 minutes had made this great rich chicken stock right and it yielded i think two quarts wow. um and that was just you know i just put it on and was doing my other stuff cleaning mm. greens mm-hmm. and making a soup and whatever so for grains and beans which are those workhorses mm-hmm. i i use it all the time yeah and it's great and and there's an intensity to the flavor too if you're cooking in in an aromatic broth like i find the beans actually uh that i've cooked in a pressure pressure cooker just have more flavor too and Carla, I know you have this figure ready. How quickly do beans cook in a pressure cooker? It, it depends a little bit <laughs> on the bean, um, but about half an hour, 35 minutes. Chickpeas, and that's not with without soaking or uh-huh. anything. Mm. So, I still soak mine. Just, I do too. Yeah. I like to, yeah. but sometimes I haven't thought about right. what exactly. dinner. So as a solution, as like a quick, you yes, know, that, right. I, that idea of having something long cooked that's actually quick cooked, yeah. um, it can be a real lifesaver. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's that the whole game is that little bit of thinking ahead, which is so mm-hmm. hard to do, I know, in a busy life. But if you can set yourself up well on whatever day you do have a little more free time, it really pays off. I was going to say about oatmeal as well. That's one that steel cut oats do take a long time. But as a parent of young children who, you know, you're trying to get something of sustenance into them, mm-hmm. rolled oats. I mean, yeah, it's fine. a whole grain and I'm not talking about quick cooking, but they really, they take like 10 minutes. I t- my husband learned how to, he cooks nothing except for scrambled eggs. And now he cooks his own oatmeal. He's like, I never knew it could be so easy because I used to make fun of him for having oatmeal packets. I'm like, it's really not hard to cook yeah. oatmeal. And he did it. And now he's like totally changed his diet plan and he eats oatmeal. And in the annoying way that men do, he did this and lost 10, 10 pounds immediately. Oh, my God. Okay. We're not <laughs> like gonna, in three months. We're not going to talk about that. And I do the overnight. I'll soak it in the morning. And then at night, I'll do the oats and maybe throw in some quinoa or any other grains in there, bring it to a boil, boil it 
simmer it for about five minutes, turn it off, keep it covered, and in the morning it's mm-hmm. magically cooked and you just have to reheat it. Because mm-hmm. invariably great. I forget to turn the oats on in the morning. And Right. But there's actually a great story in the January issue, and it's sort of about Mise en place, or as I joke, my drag name will be Mise Van Noten. Mm-hmm. That's my fashion <laughs> cook name. But just some really great smart strategies and really flavorful techniques for getting these little tiny components together so you can kind of have your own sweet green, you know, and you can just kind of mm-hmm. make a lunch, make a dinner, make all these great things. So let's talk about snacking, because Sarah, you have some great <laughs> ideas in your book. And we know it doesn't always happen at three o'clock. Right. There's usually that like 10, 30, 11 o'clock trough right. or dip. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is in your desk drawer and in your purse? <laughs> in my purse, I do like to have some nuts on hand. And whether that's like Fancy nuts that I've marinated, uh, like the recipe we have in our in our cookbook with the little garam masala and a tiny bit of agave, so it's like spicy sweet nuts, or just like you know from the vending machine the plain roasted almonds. Mm. All, I think those are always a really good like thing to have in your purse and ready to go if you if you bottom out. I also think apples with like almond butter are just delicious and re- as you said, really satisfying. The crunch it takes a while to get through, so you feel like you've done things really well and also a boiled egg is a pretty easy snack and then if you have a little sexy seasoning to put on top of it whether that's for a cocky seasoning which is the Japanese seasoning with a little seaweed and a little sesame and spice that's really good on eggs or smoked sea salt or smoked paprika just something to like dress it up and say I am having a moment Mm -hmm. and and then it kind of makes everything stay with you a little bit more. I think if you take just a tiny bit of, even if it's as simple as not, just a, a tiny bit of like, enjoy the moment, sit down and appreciate what you're eating. Right. How about you, Carla? I've never looked in your drawer for anything and found your secret snack. It's funny. I take stash. a lot of I take a lot of crap around the office for uh, my banana and peanut butter habit. Mm. Yeah, our deputy editor Andrew Knowlton thinks bananas are for children. I think they're really great. <laughs> As my dad likes to say, they're portable. They come in their own wrapper. It's like a hundred <laughs> calories. It's kind of a good one. And the other day, yesterday actually, I hadn't eaten and it was coming up on tasting. I wasn't quite going to get there, but I didn't need a big thing. And I found in my office a little uh, Tupperware that I had had for my last flight, which had medjool dates Mm. and almonds and like one square of bittersweet chocolate. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel bad about that in the slightest. Like Mm -hmm. the dates are, you know, they're sweet and they're rich, but they have potassium and fiber Mm -hmm. and they're hearty and they're a whole food. The almonds, again, we've talked about, this is like the almond food cast. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) the chocolate, you know, what it's life is sweet, you know, treat yourself. I mean, whole, you know, really unadulterated, unprocessed chocolate. It comes from a tree. (laughs) It comes from a tree and there's not that much sugar in it. So it's it's all, I think it's a really good uh, option for when you're trying to, you know, maybe you don't want the 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 croissant for breakfast and then the cookie at lunch and then the cake in the evening. But, you know, you can still satisfy that urge. I have um, a new old lady dessert f- fixation. I was making a Violet Bakery cake for New Year's Eve and I was soaking prunes and mm. supposed to do whiskey. I ended up doing rum and then I ended mm. up like drinking the soaking liquid later. Yum. <laughs> but the, like Armagnac soaked prunes or red wine or and they're just so good over Greek yogurt and mm-hmm. a little bit mm. of the cooking liquid, no sugar, mm-hmm. you know, maybe throw in some star anise or cinnamon stick and it's just 
So good. I mean, mm-hmm. also we could make this the Greek yogurt food cast. Oh my gosh. I feel like Greek yogurt is so one or two years ago, but you know, let's, oh, let is. us not forget. I mean, yesterday, Sarah, at your lunch for the cookbook, we, you had this uh, delicious spread that was yeah. made from herbs and I yogurt. Was, yeah, that was really good. That's, that's one of our, we have a whole pantry section in the back of the book that is filled with snacks and stuff like that. And it's just a, a, a yogurt dip where you strain the yogurt a little and it's just littered with herbs and you can use it as a spread, you know, with a little smoked salmon for breakfast, or you can use it as a dip for crudite, or you could use it to top a curry. I mean, it just can go everywhere. I feel like you're the true snack queen, though, Christine. Uh, that's just that's sort of more of a because you're a mini meal. You're like a mini <laughs> meal expert. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot of granola, a lot of almonds. Um, try not to do too much chocolate. But also just knowing what is going to make me tired in an hour and what's going to keep me going in an hour. Mm-hmm. And definitely, do you have any beverages? Like, do you do almond milk or at my desk? Yeah, or, or even I see you in in the morning with with the glass jars of the smoothies or the juices. We call it noise. Um, he did a story testing Vitamix blenders, so that became a part of our morning. And basically. Every, all of the stems and discarded produce bits from the night before. So we now have, like, we save kale stems or lemon rinds or all these things that you'd normally throw out Mm -hmm. and then put them with apples and other things. So basically by the time I get to work, I've had many, many servings of many, many vegetables. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not just a juice where you're pressing it all. It's like the entire thing. It's like fiber for 50. (laughs) But um, so there are ways to just kind of get it all there. It's also just keeping your hands busy, right. you know, but, um, and they're also really filling because again, because of all that fiber, um, do I, I mean, I'm just constantly eating and then I'm going down to the kitchen to see, wait, what do you got? What do you got? I also make, um, matcha granola bars with the recipe from my new nice. roots that I love. And it has puffed millet and rolled mm-hmm. oats and oh, some nuts or pepita seeds. So yeah, I think little, having little bits and bites. And again, it comes back to, what are you doing on Sunday mm-hmm. or what are you doing before mm-hmm. you go to bed so that you're not just chewing your arm off and getting a cheeseburger mm-hmm. in the cafeteria? Right. So another question, I I don't even know how to pronounce it, but welcome to dry you dry nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and people are not drinking this month, and it's a thing, and hooray. Good for them. But um what are some tips on some lower alcohol drinks and some substitutes okay. for those of us who don't want to go all the way? Let me just say for the when you are not drinking at all and you want to have something in your hand and you want it to look like rosé, just putting bitters and some sparkling water is is great. And I call, it makes, that, I call that bubs and bits. <laughs> it got me through. Imagine not, like not telling people at Bon Appetit that you're pregnant and, you know, and the 85 million <laughs> drinking opportunities that come up during those first few months. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so that's I mean, that's just important. And there's like, you know, I'm from Seattle. Scrappy's bitters are from Seattle. So you can get the little kit, the toolkit. Oh. And you can say like, I don't know, there's I think there's eight little bottles and you can choose your little cardamom or your Mm. orange or lavender so you can have fun with that um and then in the book we have a really pretty like light gin drink i mean it's just got a little bit of gin and some blood orange juice and sparkling water to kind of fizz it up and make it a party so that's uh called rubies and thorn and the thorns in the book Beautiful. And I remember uh, Marissa Lippert, who's your who's the nutritionist on yes. the book, and she has a she has a little spot in New York called Nourish. And 
I asked her what she serves, boozy, and she, they actually take their green juice and they add a little uh, Prosecco on the weekends to make a mimosa. Oh, how fun. That's so funny because this weekend I did a drink that I had uh, at a at a whiskey bar in Sydney, Australia last year, and they were juicing at the bar. I noticed these Breville juicers, right. Breville's from Australia. They had these juicers on the bar. I'm like, what are you guys, what are you doing with those? And the woman said they do a drink that's just Granny Smith apples and their house pour, their house whiskey, uh-huh. um, fresh, freshly juiced over ice. Ooh. And so I ordered one that night and it was awesome. And so over the weekend I pulled out the pressure cooker came mm-hmm. out this weekend <laughs> and the juicer had to be dusted <laughs> off, but it came out and I did fresh apple juice with half of a whole lemon, like with the peel and everything, put that through the juicer and then, um, added like a shot of, um, I think it was bullet, but whatever, mm-hmm. whatever bourbon we had. And I was like, we're juicing. That's <laughs> amazing. Amazing. But I, I don't drink that much ordinarily, so I don't have to stop. Right. There you um, go. Can I make a note about the juicer, too? I know you both have kids, too. And uh, getting kids to eat vegetables can be very hard. And I, and it's incredibly frustrating for me as a food writer with my kids. But, you know, the one thing that I can get my daughter to be very adventurous when we make juicing a project together, and it's not... It's just because it's fun and it's crazy noises crunching through the machine. And it's such a fun thing to do. So it's more of a project in our house. It's not an everyday thing, but it is a really fun way to get kids to sort of explore a little more. Yeah, they'll taste things that they would have turned their noses up to. Totally. Okay, last question. So of all the healthy-ish trends that have been happening and that you're also seeing for 2016, what is your favorite? Um, Well, I think it's sort of last year's trend, but I love the idea of broth coming back into the world. You know, the original restaurants were actually these for restoring yourself. And they served these little health restoring broths. And that was at the turn of the 19th century, you know, just after the revolution. So I love the idea that this has become trendy and become a thing when it's so much a part of my ordinary life. Mm -hmm. Now, I wouldn't recommend, I don't like the idea of only drinking broths, but I like the idea of broth being a great snack too. We actually have some really great recipes in the January issue that Camille Becerra developed, and I'm actually making the spicy feel-good chicken soup this weekend. But my favorite she created was just a back burner stock, mm-hmm. and it, it's like it's trimmings. It's kind of the stuff mm-hmm. that you're using as you're preparing the dish, you know, that the broth is intended for, and it, little bits of charcuterie and bobs mm-hmm. and peels, and and it's ready in 30 minutes. I call that one added value water. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Carla? Uh, I'm really happy to see so much savory breakfast going mm-hmm. on. And even I feel like the, you know, the oatmeal's going in a savory direction, all the grain bowl things migrating onto breakfast menus. It's just a nice way to eat in the morning. And um, I've never been a big sweet breakfast person. So it seems like this is prime time for eating that way. Excellent. Well, also for but some people like me, it means I get to do both. I can <laughs> have my avocado toast and my, you know, buckwheat, blah, blah, sweet bread. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Stay healthy-ish. This podcast is brought to you by executive producer Bell Cushing and project manager Carrie Polis with editing by Mitra Kaboli. The theme music is by Valerie and the Greedies. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.